Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Brian Sparks. Amen, amen. How is everybody doing this morning? You doing all right? Come on, look at your neighbor on your right. Say, you look fantastic. Look at the one on your left. Say, you look even better. All right. I'm excited. Come on. We are kicking off a brand new semester of groups, community groups. Come on. I, we, at the Church RC, we love community groups. And I know what you're saying. You're going, well, you know, what's the big deal? It's, it's, it, but here's the thing is that we are not a church with community groups. We're a church of community groups because we know this, that even though it kind of hurts my feelings, life change doesn't happen really on Sunday morning as much as it happens in groups. Because there's something that happens when you get into real, authentic relationships, right? You kind of, you get in, you, come on, you know how it is. When you first get married, come on, you, you've got your, you, you've got everything good and everything looks good. Come on, you're getting up, they're putting makeup on before they get up or they're brushing their teeth. Come on, so your breath don't stink. Some of you are like, I never did that, No. But, it, but, but the more comfortable you become around them, come on, then the real you begins to kind of come out and they begin to see all the flaws and all the things that go with the whole package. And, and that's what groups are. You know, you come in, you got your best foot forward and that's good because we don't need to see all of that right away. But as you get comfortable, you begin to say, you know what, I'm struggling. I got, I got some issues. I got some things. I'm struggling in my business, struggling in my marriage. I'm struggling with my kids. Um, you know, I got, I, or, or you know what? Maybe it's, I'm not struggling, but things are going great. Things are going amazing. How great is it to have somebody that doesn't just help you through the bad times, but celebrates the good times. Amen. And so that's what community is to us. And it's all of us. We, we come together. We love the big services. That's amazing. We love to worship together, but then we go out and we do life together. And I, and I love community. We lo- I love community so much that we have two groups, and me and my wife both do uh, two groups. And so that's good, and it's it's awesome. It's amazing. And, and uh, so if any of y'all are wanting to come hang out with me, I eat at Soul Man's Barbecue. Come on, on Mondays, it's my thing. I work it into my day. I know every Monday I'm going to eat lunch. And so I want you to come hang out with me. And uh, anyways, but we're, we're excited to have you here. We're starting a brand new series. Come on. It is written. I'm excited about this series. I'm so excited about this series that I overprepared for this series. I actually, I didn't even get to my points in the first or second service. I just did my opener. And uh, so I'm going to give it, I'm going to give you all, no, I'm not really. I'm just going to give you the same thing. It's okay. We'll cover it next week, right? And, uh, and so here's the deal is that I didn't get to all of it, but it's okay. We'll get to it next week. And, uh, but I'm excited about this series. And for all of those that are, are listening online, we just want to welcome you. Come on. We're not just a church within these four walls, but we have people that listen to our podcast from all over the world. And so if you would give a church RC welcome, come on to all the people listening. We love them. I hope this message touches you. You get something out of it. If you got a Bible, turn to Matthew 4. 
Matthew 4. Man, this is fun. I, can you believe I get to do this for a living? Amen. Matthew 4. We're going to start in verse 1. Read through 11. And I even got Isaiah playing for me. Come on, somebody. Let's have church. Right? I could just give an altar call right now and people get saved. Amen. Matthew 4, 1 through 11 says this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Come on, imagine that. I don't know about you, but after one meal, if I miss it, I'm hungry. Anybody? Uh, one day, I, one time I did a 21-day fast. That's a long, long time. Uh, and you got you to gotta hear from God on that. But I did a 21-day fast, and somebody told me, they said, oh, yeah, well, you know what? I heard after the first week it's no big deal. And I said, whoever told you that is a liar because I'm on day 19, and I could eat your arm right now. I, I can't imagine 40 days and 40 nights. Back to my scripture, sorry. Third service, anything can happen. Are you with me? Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered, Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Come on, he's coming at him now. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Come on, isn't it amazing? The devil knows the Bible. But Jesus came back at him and said this, it is written, again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. Come on, for it is written. Come on, somebody say it is written. Come on, say it is written. Come on, say it like a preacher. Say it, come on, it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came to him and ministered to him. Amen? Man, that's good by itself. If you're taking notes today, you can title this message, Fight Like Jesus. Fight Like Jesus. Lord, I thank you right now for the word of God. Thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, that every ear in here is open receptive to hear your word Lord they didn't come to hear a word from man they've come to hear a word from you and so Lord I pray right now that you'd use me to speak to the hearts of your people let every life be changed let no one be the same in Jesus name and everybody said amen Uh, a, a certain power company had made a decision that they were going to try to get all uh get power electricity to every person within their region and this was in the backwoods of Louisiana that there was, they realized that there was a lot of people out there that were way out that had no electricity. 
And so they decided, you know what, we're doing a pretty good job in the city, but we need to start going into the outlying regions and really try to get these people electricity. And so they began to work their way out slowly but surely, providing electricity to all the people that were kind of off the grid. And, and, and they, as they're working their way out, they finally got to a home that was way out. Come on, out in the middle of nowhere. They get out to this home that's out in the middle of nowhere. They go up to the door. They knock on the door, and they inform this lady uh, that she, who doesn't have electricity that, hey, guess we, we're, we're with the electric company, and we're here to provide you with electricity. We want to provide you with power. The, the lady was excited because she had lived her whole life out there without electricity. Come on. I don't know about you, but... I know how important electricity is only when it goes out, right? My wife, we had the power go out the other day, and she's like, oh, it's fine. We'll just warm something up in the microwave. No, you won't. Come on. So here this lady is, she's lived her whole life without electricity, so she's excited about the, the new service that's coming in, and, and they, what they did is they ran the power out there, they finally got it, they hooked her house up, and everything was good, and they showed her how to use it, and that everything was going to be good, and, and, uh, and they, they left. And, and so uh, a few months later, they decided, you know what, we probably need to make sure that everything's good. We need to make sure, come on, we just went into this area, we need to make sure that all the service is good, everything's going well, you know, that people are happy with their service, and so they began to kind of make the rounds. And finally, they came to this lady, and they looked at her bill, and they realized that she was using very little electricity at all, like very little, like so minuscule, like it wasn't even worth a bill that it was printed on. So they thought, well, maybe something's wrong. So they walked up to the lady, they knocked on the door, they, they asked her, they said, ma'am, uh, you know, we provided you with electricity a few months ago, we just want to see how everything's going. She said, oh, it's going splendidly. It's amazing. Electricity is awesome. They were like, okay, well, we, we're glad that you like that, but, but according to your bill and even your meter, you're not hardly using any electricity. And at least in that, so our readings, we're not really getting anything, so... Uh, we just want to know, is everything okay? And she's like, yeah, everything's working just like it's supposed to. They asked, well, are you using the electricity because it's not showing up that you're using hardly any? And she said, yeah, I use it every day. They said, okay, well, how do you use it? She said, well, every night when it gets dark, I turn the light on so that I can see to light my kerosene lanterns. Once the kerosene lanterns are lit, I turn the light off and I go about my day and it has changed my life because now I can see to light my kerosene lanterns. Now here's the thing is that that seems silly and that seems ridiculous, but the truth is, is that the word of God is so powerful that when the enemy comes at Jesus, the son of God, come on, he's the son of God. He can do, he could do anything that he wanted to do. He could do any, he could call down angels, but he didn't do that. When the enemy comes at him, when the devil comes at him, the word of God is so powerful that all he says is it is written and begins to come at him with the word of God. See, here's the thing is that all, every Christian that I know has the power available to them, but they're not using it. Come on, we have it at our fingertips. Never before in history has the word of God been more available than it is today. 
Come on, we have apps that, that we carry around on our phones that have the word of God. My app will read the Bible to me while I'm riding down the road. Come on, I, I've got a Bible uh, all over the place in my house. But here's the thing, is that even though it's readily available, and even though the power is at our fingertips, we're not using it like God has called us to use it. We're not using what God has given to us because here's the thing is the word of God is powerful. It says this, that it's powerful. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And even though you have that power available to you, you've become like the woman who flips it on on Sundays. Just long enough so I can light my kerosene lanterns. And then I turn the power off and I walk out and I try to get through life in a dark situation. All along having power at your fingertips. I think most Christians don't understand how powerful the word of God is. But, and I think that a lot of them view reading the Bible in a wrong way. I I don't think that they really see it the way that it's meant to be. A lot of Christians view reading the Bible like this. They think that it's a religious obligation. Come on. Something that I have to do. Because I'm a Christian and this just goes with the territory. Come on. You have to go to work. You don't really want to go to work. You'd rather stay home and play. But I have to go to work because I have to pay my bills. I have to go to the gym because I like cheeseburgers. Amen? And so it's something that I have to do. And I think a lot of people read the Bible because they think that I have to do this to pay for what I've done. It's something that I only do because, you know what, I misbehaved or I haven't done things the right way. I know I'm not doing everything that I need to do. And so I do it because it's a religious duty of mine. And that is the wrong mentality. Other people like to view the word of God like this. They think that it's just a survival manual. Come on, how many of you have ever seen survival manuals? It's one of those things that you pull out when you're in a bad situation. When things have gone severely wrong, nothing's going right in your life, you go, you start looking for something, anything to survive the situation. Just to get through it. It's a survival manual. And I, I don't know about y'all, but I like, I like, used to like watching Bear Grylls. That guy was awesome. Right? He's like the MacGyver of survival. He could survive anything. He took, he can, he could take snake skin and fill it up with water to drink out of it later. Use it again. Snake skin as a canteen. Right? I won't tell you what he put in it. It's gross. But the thing is, is that he understood how to survive. And I think that most Christians are just trying to survive. I had one person come up to me and they said, you know what uh, the, the Bible is, Brian? And I said, well, yeah, I'm a pastor. I kind of know that, what the Bible is. No, I said, no, it's best summed up in, the, in an acronym. And I said, okay, well, what's the ap- acronym? And they said, it's basic instructions before leaving earth. How many of you have heard that? Basic instructions before leaving earth, which that's cute. If you like that, that's cool. But, th- but I walked away from that conversation and I really began to think about this. 
Because the thing is, is that even though I understand the premise of it and I understand where he, he was going with it, the truth is, is that there is nothing basic about the Bible that I read. It's not a survival guide. Here, here's the thing. is in the Bible, it says this. Everything that I read in the Bible tells me not how to survive, but how to take over. Because God hasn't put you on this earth to eat by and just barely get by. He hasn't put you here for that. In fact, when he put Adam on the earth, he said this. I want you to subdue the earth. Now, that's a fancy word. We don't use subdue very often, but this means this, to overcome, to silence, to bring under control. So when God put Adam on this earth, and when he put you on this earth, he said this, I want you not just to survive it, I want you to subdue it. That means I don't want you just to get by, I want you to actually take over what I put you here to take over. I don't want you just to not get fired, I want you to rise to the top in your business. I don't want you just to get through a, a, a long life of marriage where you, you're not really happy, but it's okay. I want you to have a happy marriage. I don't want you just to raise kids, I want you to raise godly kids. I don't want you just to have enough financially to pay your bills, to suck and die. I want you to actually have enough to be blessed so that you can be a blessing. See, here's the thing is that a lot of us are surviving something we're supposed to be subduing. We're barely getting by. We've become like the woman with the power at our fingertips, not realizing how much better it could make our life if we could only use it. See, the thing is, though, is that when you really begin to understand and you really begin to apply this to your life and to realize that God has put you here to take over, it means this, that you better get ready for a fight. You better get ready for a fight. Because you can't take anything over without a fight first. Right? Come on, all the married people, you ain't taking over the remote control without a fight. Right? But I don't want to watch HGTV anymore. Come on. I'm tired of watching decorating. I want to watch something else. Well, guess what? There is a fight to be had, and it's no different in the, the same as it is in the natural, the same it'll be in the spiritual. When you begin to understand that all of God's promises are yes and amen, and when you begin to open the Bible and read it, and you see a promise, and you grab a hold of it, then you'll begin to understand that there is going to be a fight that takes place. Because if it's worth taking over, there's going to be a fight. I was watching, um, Jimmy Fallon one day, and uh, I like Jimmy Fallon. I know all of the spiritual people, people in here are like, oh my gosh. Some of you are like, we don't, we don't watch TV, Brian. We just meditate on the word day and night. You're holier than me, amen? But I was watching Jimmy Fallon. I like Jimmy Fallon. And uh, I think he's a funny guy. And, and, and they had this, this particular day, they had a UFC fighter on. And um, I'm watching the interview and, uh, you know, Jimmy Fallon's being funny and he's just making jokes and stuff. But, but what he had done is he had found out that this particular UFC fighter liked a sandwich from Chicago. 
And so Jimmy Fallon, having limitless amounts of money and wanting to be a nice guy, flew in the sandwich. Come on, how many of you would like to have that much money? Amen? I I wouldn't fly in a sandwich from Chicago. I'd fly in Herbert's Taco Hut from San Marcos, Texas. Amen. But here's the thing is that they, he flew in this sandwich, and so he's having this interview, and he said, oh, I got, you, I got you a gift, I got you a surprise, and he pulls out this sandwich in the wrapper from, from the Chicago sandwich shop, and he presents it to the fighter. The fighter has a big smile on his, on, on his face, and says, oh my gosh, thank you so much, this is amazing, I appreciate it, it's awesome, but I can't eat it. Jimmy's like, uh, okay, well, well, why not? And the fighter said this, because I'm training for a fight. So even though I want to eat it, I can't because I'm training for a fight. See, here's the thing, is this fighter was in a a suit, was dressed up, come on, was, was, I mean, in the night, like Versace suit, like dressed up, not wearing tap out gear. Come on, didn't have a mouth guard in, no tap out gear. And some of you, this is a word for you, you need to stop wearing tap out gear. Come on, the only thing you've tapped out is a buffet. Amen. You ever walk along and you see somebody, you go, tap out, what? What are you tapping out? I could tap you out and I'm not even a fighter. Come on. But here's the thing is, not in tap out gear, dressed in a suit, not in a ring, but on a talk show, not talking smack, having a conversation. And even still, the training was on the brain. And the fighter realized that there was a fight coming. It wasn't tomorrow. It's not the next day. In fact, the fight was scheduled for three months away. But still, the fighter had training on the brain. See, here's the thing. is the reason why I get up in the morning and I read my Bible. It's not because I have a religious obligation. It's not because I'm trying to eat through life and survive. It's because I know that there is a fight coming. And when if I'm not ready for the fight, if I'm not prepared for it, What's going to happen? See, there's power in preparation. I've never seen a fighter be interviewed and them ask, so how'd you get ready for this fight? Oh, I ate nachos, played video games. No, they're in the gym working when you're sleeping. Come on, they're eating healthy. They're getting ready because they know that there's a fight that's going to take place. They're not, they they might have the date, they might have the time, but they know that the fight is coming. And I want to tell you something, church. I don't know the date, the time, or the hour that a fight is going to show up at your doorstep, but I can tell you this, that there will be a fight one day. The question is, will you be ready? The question isn't, will there be a fight? The question is, will you be ready? So let me ask you a question. What will the fight look like when you're dropped in the middle of the ring? We see what it looks like for Jesus. Devil, Jesus is like, come at me, bro. Right? He comes out swinging. We know what it's like. Well, you don't understand. He's the son of God. He used everything that we have. 
But the thing is, is that he was prepared for the fight that happened. And can I just tell you this? The enemy will always come at you at your weakest. He's not going to attack you when you're strong. He comes at you when you're the weakest. A few weeks ago, we got a call that every pastor hates to get. And um, we had a, uh, not just a member of the church, but somebody on our dream team um, that had went to the hospital because they were having some very serious symptoms. And they went into the hospital, and the doctors, while the doctors checking them out, they began to have seizures, repetitive seizures. Never had seizures before in their life. Began to have repetitive seizures, and, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. They cannot get the seizures to stop. So finally, they had to sedate, the, uh, sedate this person and actually intubate them to begin to breathe for them because they couldn't get the seizures to stop. Now they're left scrambling, trying to figure out they're running blood work. Come on, they're running tests. They're, they're trying to figure out what's going on. They do a CAT scan. And in the CAT scan, they find three large, what look like tumors on the brain. Now this is starting to make sense to the doctors because somebody who came in relatively healthy, started having seizures. Now then we're starting to realize that there's some tumors that could be causing these seizures and what's going on. So we get this call, and this is a devastating thing. This is a young man, healthy man, great guy, serves on the dream team. And we, we show up at the hospital, and we walk into the room. Family's all around. And here this man is. He's laying in bed, completely unconscious, a tube down his throat, machine breathing for him, wires everywhere. And in that situation, you would expect to walk in and feel fear. Because I don't know about you, but that is shocking. It's devastating. It's sudden. It's not like it had been coming for a long time. It happened all of a sudden, but what I walked in and, and sensed was not fear. What I walked in and sensed was faith. And the reason why I sensed faith is because that family had been preparing for a fight. They didn't know when the fight would show up. They didn't know if it would show up, but they knew this, that when it showed up, they wanted to be prepared for the fight. They wanted to be ready. And here's the thing is what do you do? When you go to sleep in a bed and you wake up in a ring. What do you do? See, the time to prepare for a fight is not during a fight. It's before you ever get there. And what's amazing about this family is that they had prepared for the fight. They had prepared themselves for what came their way. So when the, uh, the doctor came in and said this, well, we're not sure. We think it might be tumors on the brain causing this. Guess what they said? Well, that's okay because by the stripes of Jesus Christ, he is healed. Come on. When they said, we're not sure how long he's going to live. Guess what? They said, you don't understand. The Bible says that with a long life, he'll satisfy them and show them his salvation. And every time that, that a bad report came at them, they were prepared for the bad report and they came back with the word of God saying you don't understand I have a different promise I have a different perspective because it is written it is written 
thing is, is that as your pastor, I love to preach about grace and I love to preach about mercy, but I'm here to tell you right now, church, I got to preach about this because it will change your life. Because so many Christians have this power that's available to them, but it's just become a bookmark in their lives, and it's something they carry around to look spiritual and look holy, but they never open it to figure out what's on the inside. The way that I look at the Bible is not like it's a religious obligation. I don't look at it like it's a survival manual. What I look at it is, it's like a book full of cheat codes. Come on. A book full of cheat codes. How many of you uh, grew up playing the original Nintendo? Come on, somebody. I'm not talking about these uh, machines that we have now that have more buttons than a helicopter Come on, cockpit. These things are ridiculous. My son's like, hit R, B, R, L, 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 L. I'm like, what? I don't have that many fingers. I grew up in a day and age when I could take out Mike Tyson with an A, B combo, bro. Right? And here's the thing is that there was a time when you're trying to figure out how to beat these guys on, on Mike Tyson. You, you went through guy after guy after guy trying to beat them. And there was times that you would try. And once you figured out the combination, all of a sudden you knew, you knew what was coming your way. Once you understood the code, you could fight the fight. And so that's the reason why I treat the Bible when I get up and I begin to look in the word of God and I begin to understand that it is like a book full of cheat codes. Because can I just tell you that if you're struggling paying your bills, there's a key for that. If you're struggling with your body and your health, can I just tell you there's a code for that too? If you're struggling in your marriage, there's a code for that. If you're struggling with your kids, there's a code for that. And when you begin to open the word of God and understand that all of God's promises are yes and amen, you become a lot like the Luna family who whenever their dad is struggling in his body, they stood and they fought a fight of faith. Come on. And not only... Did he walk out of that room completely healed? Come on, he's sitting on the second row in second service. Can I just tell you that there is a code that will change your life. There is power at your fingertips. If you'll just start using it. Because I don't read the Bible. Because I think I should. I read the Bible because I know it's preparing me for the fight ahead. Stay on your feet. I want to do this series because I really do really do want you to understand how powerful this word is. And I know what it is. A lot of people go, Brian, you don't understand. I don't know where to even start. I get that. And I have people that come up to me and they say, Brian, I, when I read the Bible, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Can I just give you a couple of practicals on that? Number one, get a translation you can understand. 
Come on. If you don't understand thou and thee and thine, it's okay. Get a translation you can understand that you can read and it applies to your life. And here's the thing is that when you read it and you go, well, I just don't, I don't know if I'm getting anything out of it. I don't understand it. Can I just tell you this? That I don't remember every meal I've ever eaten, but every meal that I've eaten has gotten me here. I don't remember meals that I ate last week, but it got me to today. Right? It got me here. And so sometimes if you pick up the Bible and you begin to read it, and you go, I just don't understand it. Can I just tell you that it's a meal? Then maybe you know you don't think that you're getting anything out of it, but you're getting something to sustain you for today that will get you to tomorrow and it will prepare you for the fight. The word of God is powerful. The word of God is powerful. And I think that we're supposed to, as a church, begin to get into the word so that we can fight like Jesus. That when the enemy comes at us, we come out swinging. When he comes at me, I come out fighting. Because the Bible says that it is written. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around. Lord, right now, I just pray, Lord, for this amazing church. And Lord, I pray that you'd give us a hunger for your word. Lord, that you would give us a hunger for the word of God. Lord, that even when on days when life is crazy and things are busy, Lord, that we would just take time to just read one verse.